This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hi, everyone. It's Doc with a special announcement. We are going to take a cruise through some of our most popular episodes from prior seasons to get everyone fired up. Now our new content will continue to drop on Saturdays each week, but we will also be re-releasing these great episodes on Monday for your morning commute. I know you've all heard about Classic Rock. Well, we're going to call these episodes Classic Doc. Sit back, settle in, and enjoy the ride. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freaking Mirpod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Missed these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. Success is not measured by what a man accomplishes, but by the opposition he has encountered and the courage with which he has maintained the struggle against overwhelming odds. Charles Lindbergh. And we were walking to this town 
that wasn't even a town. It was like a lady's house that was the gr- that was the post office. Literally, she had it behind her house in a shed. Like, <laughs> so it was like, and we were walking through this like thick smoke, and I was like, I was honestly less than a hundred miles away from the uh, finish point at that point, and I was like, dude, I was like, I'm done with this. I was like, I cannot. I was like, I legitimately want to quit right now. We did it, but it was hard, man. But it was great to actually. Because, you know, it was the whole year was a lot of hiking, but that those 400 miles was it was rough, man. Like it was amazing, but it was really, really rough. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, do us a favor, take just a minute and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, on to this week's premium content. This week, we are bringing you some stories from a seasoned through hiker who has logged thousands of miles across the U.S. and who has also battled some serious demons. Welcome to the pod, Nasty Noodle. Hey, y'all. How you doing today? Awesome. Awesome. So uh, first thing I have to ask, Nasty Noodle is not on your driver's license, I assume. This is your trail name. And yeah. I'm, almost, <laughs> I'm almost, hesit- I almost hesitate to ask about the story behind the trail name. How did, how did you come by Nasty Noodle? So it has nothing to do with dick jokes, because that's what pretty much most people <laughs> automatically assume. So it was... Uh, I think it was day day five of the Appalachian Trail, and I was camped, I forget where, like right on the North Carolina-Georgia border around, around that, and I was with these two kids from, I think they were from the Netherlands, and uh, we ended up calling them Hans and Franz, they didn't, they didn't like it, I don't think it caught on, but I was eating, I was cooking ramen noodles, man, and I'm just sitting there cooking, and they came over and they were like, oh, like, you Americans, you're always eating like the worst food. And, and I was like, dude, like, why are you guys like attacking me for eating ramen? And then right when I said that, I took a bite and I just, I like choked on it and I just threw up like right on the ground, right in front of them. They're like, they're like, look at you can't even eat these things. They're not even edible, you know? So yeah, nasty noodle just kind of caught on right there. So you, know. uh, you, you just proved their point. Yeah, no, it was like the worst timing for me to actually do that. I put a bunch of hot sauce on it. It's just, I, I just choked on it, you know? So, but yeah, so that, that's kind of the story of the name, you know? And that seems like one of the more intense conversations I've heard from the trail. <laughs> Usually people are pretty mellow, easygoing, and this sounds like just uh, full of conflict right from the bat. Yeah, like they were, they were funny, you know, like, I don't think the Hans and Franz thing, like I was joking and like, you know, like Hans and Franz is obviously some German things. So they took offense to me calling them German, which I was obviously joking. I wasn't anything bad. So they came in heavy. I was coming in heavy and then I puked. (laughs) 
<laughs> nice. That, that could be the, the uh, subtitle for this episode. They came in heavy, I came in heavy, and I puked. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's perfect, you know? Very good. <laughs> Very good. So, Nasty Noodle, have you listened to the, ep- have you listened to the podcast before? I have. Um, okay. Yeah, I listened to about three or four before I came on here. It's just so I know what I was getting myself into. That's, that's always wise. Very good. Doing your research, planning ahead. That's good. That's good. It was like, it was like uh, a couple of weeks ago, though. So, okay. you know, yeah. Any, any standout moments from the podcast that you remember? Um, I just like the diversity of all the people, you know what I mean? Like you have, you have different – I was expecting when I heard it, I thought this was like a straight – PCT John Muir trail thing. And it's like, it's not that, you know what I mean? Like I really want to listen to the one that you just released with the guy who did uh, this North and South pole and Everest. I heard that you got, you had him on before me. I was like, dude, I have to, t- I was like, I have to follow up the guy that did the North pole, the South pole and Everest. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. He, he, it's an incredible interview and there's some incredible moments from, from that interview that just, uh, I can't believe I talked to a guy who was standing on top of Everest. I mean, that was pretty that's incredible. Like a, yeah. That's like absolutely amazing. You know? So like, yeah, like I really, I think it's great that you're doing, it's not just, you know, a bunch of PCT hikers or John Muir trailer. And it's like, you have people from all over doing all sorts of different stuff. And I, I think that's awesome because that's what the outdoor community is. It's not just like this cut and dry, everybody with a hyper light out in the John Muir trail, the PCT. It's like, this is a big community filled with not even just through hikers, everybody, you know? So I, I respect you, you know, you're doing a good yeah. job. Uh, thank you very much. I, I feel like I'm so fortunate to be able to talk to such a varied group of people who have done so much. I mean, just fascinating people. And one of my listeners, uh, kind of, we interacted on Instagram and, and she suggested that, um, you know, outdoor adventure, it's, it's a tree and there are so many different branches. And so it's been a lot of fun talking to people from so many different backgrounds and experiences and different types of adventure. So just trying to, trying to keep people connected to the outside uh, adventure life there. Yeah, you know, and especially after, uh, you know, granted, as you guys are going to hear, I didn't, I had kind of a great 2020, (laughs) you know, but it's like, this was a hard year for a lot of people. So it's like, if there's ways for people to stay engaged, um, when they necessarily can't go outside or do all this, like, I think that's amazing, even more important than most times, you know, so it's, it's awesome, you know, so Thank Good you. Job. Thank you very much. Hey, I only asked you because I want to make sure that you were familiar with a regular segment on the podcast, and that is the pro tip insight of the week. Okay. Yeah, I did. I did. I knew this was coming. Actually, I forgot all about it. Okay. okay. So, so as we get to the end of the episode, not right now, but at the end of the episode, I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to say, "Nasty Noodle, what's your pro tip insight of the week? What can you share with our listeners that's going to make their next outdoor experience?" that much more epic so just keep that in mind usually it comes from something we talk about during the episode but you know feel free to to dig deep and, and find something great for our listeners all right cool i'll, I'll see how deep i can i can oh, get you know? okay. <laughs> all right. no pressure eric larson the guy who did the north pole south pole and uh yeah, yeah. mount everest he, he got really deep so no pressure on you but uh yeah oh yeah great just, yeah, just, just saying <laughs> Let me go get my, let me go get a book so I can start writing some, some deep stuff down, you know? <laughs> All right. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review. So here's how that works. 
if you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Nasty um, Noodle, what is your must bring piece of gear? Honestly, it's like, uh, it's kind of like a lame piece, but it's like probably sock liners. Yeah, like those toe socks, like those Injinji toe socks. You are not the first person to say that. That is a, that's a, that's a solid tip. <laughs> yeah, like I got clued into those uh, about two years ago and I haven't had a blister not, not once this whole year, I didn't get one blister and it's like, they're amazing. Like they're not the most durable thing on the planet. Like you blow through them. At least I do like one pair every two weeks and they're just all the toes are out. But if I had to pick one piece for me to like, know that I'm going to enjoy my hike, like I can have a heavy backpack or REI stuff or whatever, but like blisters, that's, you know, that's a game, you know, you're done pretty, in my opinion, I can't really mess with them. Yeah, if there was a if there was one piece of gear that would guarantee no blisters, that's a no brainer. Yeah. Go, you gotta go with that. I mean that. No, that's for phenomenal. sure. <laughs> if, if your feet are hurting, you know the hike's no fun. Absolutely, you know. Yeah, and you you made a comment there. I want to I want to follow up on. You said, "Hey, I could even do with uh, you know REI gear." Is that kind of yeah. a, a bit of a slam on REI and, and kind of the no. generic gear? What, what, what's going on there? It's not a slam, you know what I mean? Like, but like, I'm just saying, like, I don't have, like the only thing that I would, that I do use from REI is like in the winter, I have like a, an inflatable sleeping pad, you know, and, or a pad, not a bag, but like, it's not a, it's not a slam, you know, it's just for me personally, if somebody gave me all REI stuff, it would be a, a bummer because I worked so hard at like, meticulously creating this gear list you know so but i love rei it's great they sell in gingies there too so you can totally go get sock liners <laughs> all right now now i'm excited because you you have talked about your gear list and you've kind of uh poo-pooed rei and so now i, I want to hear about your your base weight and i want to hear about what what gear you're carrying okay so uh my base weight as of right now is uh, 6.3 pounds. Wow. So, so that's kind of the reason why I was, I'm not, again, I'm not talking shit on REI. REI is great. But if you go and try to set up a 6.3, 6 I think it's 6.4. We'll call it 6.4. You couldn't but, do a 6.4 pack uh, gear uh, base weight from the REI. No, you could, but you wouldn't have the stuff you needed, you know? <laughs> right. But yeah. So, um, what do you want to know? Like my big three or something like that, you know? Well, 6.4, that's not a lot of weight. I want to know everything. Okay. So, uh, Quill is a 40 degree enlightened equipment enigma. Uh, it's just like the standard one. It's like, you know, 15 and a half ounces. Uh, Shelter, Z-Pax, Hexamid, Solo Plus, like the tarp with uh, the bug net underneath it. And then uh, pack, um, I actually switched packs to a, uh, this year, for, it's a Mountain Laurel Design Burn 38, which uh, I've only hiked like 90 miles with it so far, but it's it's been really good. So I'm very excited about that. And How much is that uh, way? I think it's 16 and a half pounds. Or 16 and a half ounces. 
<laughs> You're like, wait, this math doesn't add up, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like stock. It's 16.5 ounces, so it's like a little bit over a pound. You know? Yeah, and what's the capacity on it? It's 38 liters. 38. Um, so the collar itself is so the main internal is 30 liters, and then it has eight liters of like the stuff set or you know the front stuff thing the uh water bottle holders and all that you know so yeah so and then uh pretty much everything else like i sleep on like a quarter inch piece of foam from gossamer gear it's just like a little piece of eva foam uh puffy jacket that i made myself that weighs 4.2 ounces uh you made your own puffy jacket I did. Yeah. Like I honestly, I was bringing this thing with me all last year, which is like a, it's a great jacket, you know, the ghost whisperer, but it's a half a pound. Yeah. And so, so for our listeners out there who are not watching on YouTube, he's, he's wearing this, this purple puffy jacket and he's in his garage right now uh, during this, <laughs> this recording. So that's why he's wearing the puffy jacket. He's not in Texas. It's not during the freeze in Texas, but he is, he is in Arizona. It's a, it's a bit cold in the garage. Yeah. So, um, um where was i uh yeah the puffy jacket was uh i honestly just started sewing and i said i really want to make a sub five ounce jacket so i just ordered the materials and i just traced this jacket and then i just sewed myself another and it's like you know it's not like the sexiest jacket you've ever seen but it's super light and it's it's 4.3 ounces i'm on yeah it's 4.3 and it's got two and a half ounces of down fill in it so it's mostly feathers, mm-hmm. like the material weighs nothing. So yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty sweet little jacket, you know? So we'll see if it, it might rip on me and then I'll be really wish I had the purple on me. <laughs> but uh, besides that, it's just, you know, socks, uh, liners, obviously, I cold soak. And then um, my fleece is a, uh, this company called Senshi Designs. It's like a super lightweight. It's like a three ounce fleece jacket made out of this material called uh, Polar Tech Alpha. It's like this new techie fabric. So, but yeah, that's that's about it. And then um, I have a poncho that I use as my ground sheet. And that's like honestly, like I'm sure I'm missing a couple things, but that's that's like the main. Right. And how much does the six point four pound kit cost? Um. I think, I think overall, I think I probably spent, uh, you know, I got, I got the backpack on Reddit for like, uh, 200 bucks. Uh, the quilt was like 250. The sleeping pad is like $20. Uh, the jacket cost me $80 to make. And then uh, my tent was used on Reddit as well, 200 bucks. So it's like my main three was like, Granted, expensive, but like somewhere around six hundred and fifty bucks for like my main three, and it's super light, you know. Mm-hmm. So, if anybody's listening to this and doesn't mess around with UL Gear Trade on Reddit, and you're looking for cheap gear that's good, that is like the place to get gear. It's like you can find a whole setup there for really good deals. Careful, nasty noodle. That almost sounds like a pro tip. You can't use that one now. You use that one now. Oh, I'm I'm writing my whole pro tip right. Okay. That's what the pen's for. I got- <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, 
quick question. You're a cold soaker. Do you also cut your toothbrush in half or drill holes in your toothbrush to save weight? I haven't, I haven't drilled any holes in it, you know, but, uh, I've actually just been using this, like this little nubby toothbrush for a while. It's like, you know, I can get it. It's like, it's, you know, it's like an inch and a half or something, you know, it doesn't work that good. And I honestly did it just so just for fun. You know what I mean? Like a toothbrush doesn't, you know, it's not going to break the, break the camel's back. You know, it's three ounces as opposed to three grams whatever the hell it is, you know? Uh-huh. So, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a nub for sure. You know, it's, <laughs> it's barely usable. <laughs> it gets the job done and that's, what's important. Yeah. Once a week, you know, I take it out oh. of my pack and throw it in there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. And the cold soak life, you're able to subsist on that. You know, like I, I actually am fine with it. You know, like I will say if I'm doing like, I went on a backpacking trip last weekend with some buddies. Um, we went down to the Sonoran desert and it, you know, it was like 30 degrees every, every morning I did bring a stove with me. So it's like, I do have a stove. Um, I just don't like the, the process of it. It's like you're, when you're tired at night, you have to sit around, you have to go get fuel, you know, and especially on a lot of these like hikes that I like to do out here, like fuel is not like you can get it on the Appalachian trail or the big three, like super easy, but it's like this last hike I went on, uh, there was no fuel. Like you couldn't, we were in like the middle of Eastern Arizona. Like you could not get fuel anywhere. So yeah, I'm totally fine with it. You know, uh, it's not like the best food on the planet, but it is nice to be able to get to camp and just pull the rice out of your backpack and just eat it and go to sleep, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm cool with it. You know, I might change next year, but for this year I'm, I'm staying with it. Nice. Nice. Now I said, I know you said the hexamid, uh, do you ever do any cowboy camping? Um, honestly, no. Like, (laughs) I don't, I don't, maybe it's because I've lived in Arizona for the past five years. I don't like bugs. Um, I really don't like bugs. I don't like snakes. Like I like them when they're at a distance, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm just not about it. And it weighs, you know, it's a 10 ounce tent. Like I really don't, I, I think I cowboy camped. It, well, as long as you don't count the Appalachian Trail shelters, I think all last year, I think I did it three times, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I'm, I'm not into it. I don't know. You know? Yeah. It's funny. If you listen to the last episode that came out on the, on the podcast to measure a mile and the three guys that set out to do the PCT, uh, one of their, one of their trail names was bugs and he, his name was bugs because he was terrified of bugs. And I asked the question about cowboy camping or tent camping. And he, to my extreme surprise said cowboy camping all the way and i said how is that possible if you yeah. if you are so scared of bugs how are you cowboy camping yeah like honestly that's the main thing with me and like i don't know if it's like part of my like lizard brain that's still in me that i don't i just like don't sleep that good if i'm on the ground like i could even if it's just a little piece of dyneema and some bug netting just to kind of keep me away. I don't know what it is. Like I get bragged on for it pretty frequently. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. Everybody's different. And it's just, I'm not, I'm not a bug guy, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> Hey, I'm with you on that. I'm not a big bug guy either. So, 
All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. I want to talk about your background and kind of figure out uh, how you got involved in the whole backpacking through hiking cult. You know, growing up, were you exposed to those kinds of activities? What kind of hobbies and sports did you do when you were a kid? So um, I was uh, like, I went camping with my, my folks a lot. Um, you know, just pretty, pretty standard. Uh, I was always outside. Like I grew up in Massachusetts in this town, um, in Cape Cod. Um, so I was always outside. I was in the Boy Scouts. That was like a big part of it. Um, my dad was actually my scout master. So it was pretty sweet. He would just be, you know, we could pretty much do like whatever I kind of wanted to do. And we were mostly camping. So yeah. And as far as, uh, getting into the, the, backpacking through hiking cult like it was just something that I've always wanted to do like I remember when I was again like in the Boy Scouts me and my dad and like the whole troop we were in the White Mountains and we have like this this tour guide if you will some guy showing us to the hike and we hiked to Zealand Falls Hut and he was like yeah we're actually on the Appalachian Trail right now and we were I was like I don't know like I'm going to say nine, nine years old or something. And he's like, yeah, if you follow this trail, it goes to Georgia. And it just like blew my mind. You know what I mean? And I remember being nine years old, be like, what do you mean? Like <laughs> Georgia, you're walked from here to Georgia. Like I barely even knew what Georgia was because I was nine, but still like, you know, like I've seen a map, you know? So I think it was just always something that was, I wanted to do, you know, but uh, wasn't until recent that I was like actually able to do it. Yeah, I love hearing about that moment. That moment comes to so many of our guests, uh, the moment where they hear about a long trail and they say, wait, wait, wait a second. You mean you can walk from here to Canada or from here to Georgia or from here to, to Mount Katahdin? What are you talking about? That's, is that a thing? And they, they have this vivid memory of that moment, just like you did, just like you described just now of, I remember that moment. I was nine years old. This guy said it. And I said, what are you talking about? That exists. That's a thing. And uh, it, it kind of nibbles at their brain for a number of years. And then they find themselves doing it. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I'm sure that like, honestly is like a, cause it's like that really does stick out. Like, and it was, I don't remember, if you, if you asked me anything else, like, about what I was doing being nine, like, I'm sure I could make a, a very small list. But, like, that's one of the main things, not to sound like, you know, like, all crazy, but, like, that's one of the main things that I remember, especially about the scouts, especially about growing up and doing those trips. And it's, like, I remember hearing about it. And, like, yeah, it was always a thing, you know? Like, I would always, like, be partying with people and, like, we would, like, you know, it'd be like 3 a.m. and we'd get like, we'd be like, dude, like next year, bro, like we're all going to the Appalachian Trail. And then like you wake up at noon and then nobody does anything and then you don't talk about it for another six months, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when you think about it, hiking 2,200 miles from Georgia to Maine for months on end, that's a huge commitment. I mean, that is a, that's a serious commitment. And to work your way up to, to doing that, it's not a spur of the moment thing. I mean, this, this is something that has to kind of fester and germinate and bounce around in your brain for, for a, a number of years, I would think. And that, that seems to have been the, the experience with a lot of my guests is, you know, they hear about this, they're like, wait, what, is, what, what are you talking about? And they, they, they do their research and they're like, yeah, this is a thing. 
And over the course of years, sometimes even decades, you know, they plan on it and say, when I get to this point in my life, I'm going to do it. And they do it. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely amazing. You know, like, you know, like just, just, I knew from the first day when I was on trail, like leaving Amicola Falls or whatever, getting to the uh, Springer Mountain shelter. And then I woke up in my tent that next morning. So like day one of the trail and I was hiking in the rain and I was like, I was literally planning my next through hike. I was like, all right, cool. Like I'm going to finish this thing. And I was like, I'm going to go to another one. Like it was literally, it was almost, I don't know if that's the same for everybody, but I honestly like day one, I was like, okay, like I'm hundred percent going and doing another one after these. So like, I was like essentially hooked. Like I knew I was going to be, hooked like at least i thought i was going to be but like that first morning on the actual at like waking up and dark raining and i just like i don't know like it just clicked and i was like i was full send i was like so i'm doing this you know so yeah it was uh i get it man it's like it's like a mental obsession but like it's like a good it's like a good mental obsession you know yeah now the way you described your your early years and growing up, it sounds uh, pretty idyllic. Um, sounds sounds like a, a typical uh, boyhood. Uh, lots of adventure, excitement, doing cool things with 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 your parents. Um, but I know from your backstory that things have not always been so easy and so pleasant. I know that and I mentioned in the in the intro that you you've you've battled some demons in the past. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, like I'm a recovering, uh, alcoholic and drug addict. Um, you know, so I'll keep how long I've been clean to myself, but it's it's been a long time. We'll just say that. Um, but yeah, you know, like it all kind of just happened quickly. You don't really notice it. Like I, you know, I had like a really good childhood. I like totally fine. Like parents, great. You know, like none of the, the things that people like assume like why like if somebody turns into an alcoholic or a drug addict um and when i was about 15 i started like uh going to like fish shows and like and i heard about like the grateful dead and i was like you know like dreadlocks and i was just like i went right into that too so it makes sense why i jumped into the he so hard because i was like the first show i went to i got there and it was like everybody was just like bright colors and having a great time. So it's like, I started doing that. I just like was traveling, um, going to music festivals, going to concerts, it's like as much as possible. And as most of your guys' listeners know, like what happens at festivals and at, at concerts is like you party. So slowly I just became like this, shit, like I don't want to use the word shell of a human, but I'm going to, cause it's like all this like joy and, all the good stuff I got from like partying and traveling and all this got super dark, like to the point where I was honestly just like a, a criminal, you know, like an absolute sketchball criminal that I'll be your best friend one minute. And then the next minute I'll steal your cigarettes and steal your wallet and I'll out of here. Like, so, and I don't want to be like, you know, make it sound like it's, uh, worse than it is, but it's like, I just honestly looked at myself at some point and it was like horrifying. Cause like, I don't even know really how it happened, but it happens like very quickly, at least it did to me. So, um, 
it took me like years and years and years to actually figure out how to like get through like this horrible haze. But I will say like one of the main things that has helped me uh, get through this has been like a, a pretty severe meditation practice. So, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it pretty much came to the point where I hated who I was. Um, all my friends were angry and if they weren't angry, they were just as bad as I was. And I just like hundred percent needed like a, a big change to happen, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So finally, you know, it, it eventually did happen, but it was like a very long, long <laughs> journey, uh, through just some pretty, pretty dark, dark times, you know? Right. Right. And did hiking and did through hiking, did that help you in some regards with that? So, yeah, like, um, hiking is, was always like my, my thing, you know what I mean? Like I always, I, even when I was partying, I would still like hike, you know what I mean? Um, as far as through hiking though goes, like I, I kind of said this earlier, like even when I was like super drunk or, you know, up for five days, 10 days, whatever it may be, um, we would get, I, I would find myself talking about this, like this goal of like hiking the Appalachian trail, like at one point, um, when I lived in California, I had like this piece of this like big paper on my wall. It was like these seven of my quote unquote best friends at the time. And we like all signed this paper saying, when we are all 30 years old, we are going to be hiking the Appalachian trail. And it was obviously never going to happen. Like, you know, like there would have been no possibility for somebody like me what like at least who I was to be able to hike the Appalachian Trail like it would have been I couldn't have carried the amount of alcohol that it would have taken for me to even do that you know so um really uh once I was actually able to get clean and like uh and then finally decided to through hike it was like it was just like an amazing moment you know like actually again like that first night it was like I'm actually doing this thing that I've been talking about since I was nine and then I was super, you know, fucked up for years and still talking about this thing. And I'm finally in this like amazingly clear headspace and I'm finally able to do this thing that I've been talking about. Like I'm 32 years old and I've been talking about this for like most of my life, you know what I mean? Not constantly, but it was been a thing that was always coming up and coming up and coming up, but never, it was just like, you know, beer talk, you know, and it was never going to get anywhere. So yeah, I think, I think, uh, now hiking really does, uh, it's like my number one thing that and meditation and they go both hand in hand. So it's like, those are my two main tools to like, stay on the right path, you know, right. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It does. What did it take to go from, from the depths of addiction to getting yourself ready to do the Appalachian trail? Was so, there a, was there a turning point? I mean, what, uh, what, what got you going the right direction? Um, okay. So really like, uh, and if I'm asking questions that are too personal, just feel no, free no, no. to tell me. So, no, so like, so the, so I'd have to like, talk about the, like the accident is really like, is, uh, okay. So, uh, in 2017, I was, uh, struck by a, a van when I was riding my bike. I was just like uh, riding my bike. I got out of work and I was like going to get a kombucha at Whole Foods and I'm biking down the road and this dude like straight T-bones me and just throws me off my bike. Like I fly 20 feet through the air and I'm like laying on the ground and I, you know, I didn't lose consciousness, but I like just 
I was like, oh man, like, so I start, start to try to like stand up and the guy's like, no, 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 you can't move. So I like looked down at my leg and like my bone was like literally hanging outside of my leg. It was like a chunk like this big of my tibia. It was like just chilling on the outside. So I like, I laid down on the ground and I just like lit a cigarette and I was just like swearing. <laughs> like He's like, man, you're like, you really shouldn't be smoking right now. I was like, you shouldn't have hit me with your van. You know what I mean? So if we really want to start. So, but, um, so that whole thing, um, I finally, after two years, I got cleared medically, um, from my physical therapist. I had like 10, um, infections. I had all these surgeries and everything. And then finally my physical therapist was like, Hey, like you are clear to do this, you know? So I pretty much just like went into full training mode. Like I always told myself, cause I was about to lose my leg like m multiple times. And I kept saying to myself, I was like, dude, like, this is it. If you can keep your leg, like you're sober. Like if you can keep your leg through this, you're just going to like go do the AT. Like, like that's going to be the plan. And I like was finally cleared, uh, the May, May of 2019. And then from May to March, all I did was sit in front of a mirror, watch the way that I walk, work on my like gait, all these like muscle building things. And I just did that and then hiked every single day that I possibly could. And then was finally able to start this like thing that's been like this, <laughs> like this 20 something year thing that I keep talking about, you know? So. Wow. That's quite a story. What, uh, what happens if the, if the car never hits you? Was it a van you said? It was like a van. It's actually, yeah. um, I'm just going to burn them down because I don't like them. It's this company called Arizona tours. They hit me. It's like a huge tour company in Arizona. If you're listening to this fucking, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it was a passenger van. It's like a 10 person, big Chevy van, you know? So if the van doesn't hit you, where, where is nasty noodle? Right I, here? I'm honestly, I, I wouldn't be talking to you. Like, I really don't think I would, I, I don't think I would have done it. You know, like I would have kept talking about it and it would have been a goal of mine, but like that initial, like getting clean, finally figuring this out, still like thinking about taking these, like this big journey and then almost losing my leg multiple times, like. And then I don't know, like something just like really clicked like when I was in that hospital that I was like, dude, you just need to like do this, you know? So yeah, it was like my victory lap, you know, if you will, because, you know, for, it was a long time. It was from June of 2017 to May of 2019. I was like off and on crutches. It was like a, you know, obviously people have endured worse, but it was like a, for me, it was like a pretty you know, horrific thing. You know, mm -hmm. I just like laid on the couch, ate Fritos played a bunch of video games <laughs> like, like you know i got like almost 200 pounds which i'm like 150 right now so i gained like 50 pounds just like sitting around so i don't yeah i would almost guarantee that if that didn't happen to me i wouldn't have done it like at least not right now you know right. like um so in some ways i am like grateful that it happened because it really did like you know my leg looks pretty messed up at the moment but it's like it's cool like it works fine you know but it's like it really did push me to like this moment where i was like dude like you figured out like the main piece of the puzzle that you've been trying to figure out like and now you have like this one more hurdle 
So like if you can actually keep your leg and you can make it over this last hurdle, you have to just do this, dude. Like finally, after however many years, just like go and do this. So I just, I did, you know. Now, when you say your, your leg is, it looks messed up. What does it look like? It's like a massive scar. It's yeah. like, I can show it to you. I don't know if you want to see it. Uh, are you, are YouTube visitor uh, viewers, I'm sure would love to see it. Yeah, I'll show it. You know, okay. it's, it's like this massive. Oh, wow. Look at that. Can you see that? Oh yeah. 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 So it's like this whole thing. So it's like, this was like just exploded. Like, wow, so it's like, is- it's. Yeah, look how it that is gnarly. <laughs> yes, yeah. So all of our all of our Apple Podcasts and Spotify listeners now have to go to the John Freakamir YouTube channel <laughs> to see that that juicy tidbit right there. <laughs> if only for just to see the leg, it would be right? worth it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what what a turn of events! I mean, that is you know our our lives uh, you know turn on a dime sometimes, and we're not sure when it happens, you know, what the outcome is going to be, but, you know, to have this serious, very serious accident, almost losing your leg turn into, you know, you being able to do the Appalachian trail, something you've talked about for decades. Um, It's mind blowing. Yeah. Like, honestly, I like, I'm kind of still like, you know, it wasn't really that long. It was last year, you know what I mean? So I'm still kind of like in awe of like, in a, without sounding like, you know, like tooting my own horn, but it's like, you know, it was like a big thing. Like it was all this thing. And then like, actually the leg was so messed up for so long. Like, um, I don't know if you guys know what like a, a pick line is. Mm-hmm. It's like a long, it's like a long-term antibiotics thing. Yep. They were, I had four of those over the course of, or five of them. And they were giving me like, this ant I was injecting this antibiotics into my own tube at my house for like six, eight weeks at a time. And I did that five times. And they were like, they got to the last antibiotics and they were like, dude, this is like the strongest antibiotics we can possibly give you. They're like, we don't even have anything else. They were like, you're pretty much doing this is like it's like the, the top tier antibiotics. So it was like, it was very much uh, it was scary, you know, like I didn't know what was going to happen. And I kept, kept going in and out of this hospital. So it's like to actually be able to go and not even just be able to just limp around and walk, but actually be able to go and do three through hikes last year was like an amazing thing. It was like, I kept calling it my victory lap, like all year, you know, when everybody kept asking me, I didn't really get too deep. People saw my leg and I would just, I would usually tell Tell them that like it was like a shark attack <laughs> or like we're like yeah like whatever you know what i mean like a oh, brown recluse uh you know or i would say some other stupid story but like people i was actually hiking with like knew my real story but yeah it was like my victory lap like that's the best way i can say you know like it was it was all for me like i didn't it was a very selfish year you know which is i think what most through hiking really is um if you really think about it you know yeah, for the, for our listeners who haven't tuned in yet to see the leg, um, to come back just to be able to walk, just to just to walk normal and and be able to get around without crutches, um, would be quite the accomplishment. And to yeah. have hiked the AT and done your other through hikes, what what a story! So yeah, congratulations on that. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you, man. You know, it was uh, 
yeah, victory. <laughs> yep. And you mentioned, you mentioned your, through, your three through hikes, and we're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into those three through hikes. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back after this. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Hey y'all, how you doing? My name is Nasty Noodle, uh, hiker trash, full on desert rat, and you guys are listening to the John Freaking Year podcast. All right, welcome back. We are talking to Nasty Noodle. We've just covered some gruesome content, and we're going to move on to some through hiking. So, Nasty Noodle, let's talk about the big hike, twenty two hundred miles Appalachian Trail. You did it from March 2nd to July 6th last yep. year during the pandemic. Yep. And I know you kind of described, you know, that first night on the trail, but uh, in terms of preparing for it, um, how long did it take you to accumulate your gear? And did you do any kind of logistics planning for, you know, food, mailing packages, that kind of stuff? So, um, I had all the gear. Um, so I honestly bought like a few things, um, for that hike. So the gear part was like, no, no issue. You know, I did have like a, not a six pound base weight for that. I was probably, I was chilling definitely heavier because I didn't know like this through hike thing. I didn't know what I was supposed to carry. I knew backpacking, but I didn't know like through hiking. So no, no real big gear. And as far as like, uh, logistics and training, like, I live in Sedona, so I have like a, I have hundreds of miles of hiking trails, like right from my doorstep. I can go, I can go hike an eighty mile trail if I want to right now. So I just pretty much focused on that, just like rocking around full pack. Um, did like a bunch of shakedown hikes down in the Sonoran Desert. Um, yeah, I didn't mail one box. I didn't do any of that. Um, 
I don't think it's necessary on the AT unless you have like a serious uh, picky diet. Um, if you're like vegan, you probably want to do it like mm -hmm. the majority of the trip. Um, but yeah, not, nothing really like I did watch some videos, you know what I mean? Like I watched old Darwin boys videos and I watched like a bunch of other uh, through hikers. Uh, yeah. And I kind of just like formulated as much information as I felt like I needed. And then I just flew to, flew to Atlanta, you know, <laughs> flew to Atlanta, head out to uh, Springer mountain. Yeah. And did you do this by yourself? Did you go with some of those guys who signed the poster back uh, back in the day? What what happened? No, so okay, so it's funny. We actually I meant I didn't even mean to bring this up, but like, so I called all of them besides like two of them, um, and I was like, hey man, like I'm actually gonna do this, and they were like, no, fuck that. <laughs> they were like, I'm not gonna go hike for because at the time I didn't know, and I was like, I don't know, it's somewhere between three and six months. And they were like, no, dude. They were like, that sounds horrible. I'm not doing that. So I did spend like a month reaching out to like all these people that I thought were going to be, I didn't actually expect anybody to say yes, but I did reach out because I thought it would be cool to like have some homies with me. Yeah, um, they, they signed the poster, right? So dude, I wish I still had that. You know what I mean? I'd be like, yeah. yo, like this is signed and dated, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is like, this is totally legit. It's so but yeah, so nobody. I didn't. Uh, I flew to Georgia alone. Started hiking alone. Um, yeah, nobody. Wow. And so, how was that? I mean, did you enjoy the solo experience, or did you you connect up with uh, a trail family? So um, I did end up hooking up with the trail family for sure, um, but not until about I would say mile four hundred probably. So the first four hundred miles, like the first like three weeks or so. Um, actually, no, it was like two, whatever. I don't remember what it was, but the first 400 miles I hiked like alone, you know, and it was, it was COVID times, you know? So like when I, when I got to Springer mountain, there was probably 25 people camped there. So, and I was like, damn, this is awesome. I was like, there's going to be so many people to hang out with and like, I'll meet all these people. And then so that's mile that's mile zero. By the time I got to Hot Springs, North Carolina, the ATC put out their statement saying, we are closing the trail or whatever they said they were going to do. We want everybody off the Appalachian Trail. No one's allowed to hike. Th this is what it is. So like from Hot Springs, I walked into Hot Springs with like 50 people, walked out of Hot Springs completely alone. And then from mile 260 to 300, didn't see anybody like literally not anybody and i was like really kind of being like wow like do i really want to like hike this trail like alone like there's nobody out here and um but yeah so i did end up meeting up with like a, a crew of people and i essentially hiked with that same group of people all the way to katata wow you want to give them a shout out who who was it yeah, I'll give them all a good shout out. Okay, so if I forget any of you guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> but like we got uh, Dirtnap, Piscoon, Boogie, Scooby, Griff, uh, Pepper, Roman, and uh, Low Branch. I'm sorry if I forgot somebody. I feel like I did. I should check my phone. <laughs> Those are some but, pretty um, good names. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And like, it was just like, I don't even know, like, I think about it, like, would we have became a tr like a trail fam if it was on a different year? Because there was literally nobody else on trail. So like we hiked all as a unit um, from Irwin, Tennessee to Pennsylvania. Like, and we did not see one other set of through hikers. We had every shelter to ourselves. Like we would just mob all together, spread out and then meet up at the end of the day. And like, we literally had, we had everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, did I say villain? Did I say villain? You didn't say villain. I, I think villain. I think Villain's the other one. I got all it. Right. <laughs> villain, villain. I know you're listening and he, you can stop, you can stop that nasty text right now. Cause he remembers. Yeah, he's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> But yeah, man. So it was like, it was a, it was kind of wild. Like it was like, people have explained it to me being like, that's kind of an amazing thing. Cause it's like, it was like through hiking in the sixties, you know, like we're never, the, the Appalachian trail is probably never going to see another year. Like it did last year, you know? Yeah. I've heard, I've heard the Appalachian trail being described recently as pretty crowded. It's a crowded trail. A lot of people on that trail and it's close to a lot of towns. I mean, so there's there's a lot of day hikers as well. But uh, from the way you're describing it, it seems pretty empty. It was empty this year. Yeah, well, like last year, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, it was like, it, honestly, like in some ways it was the perfect hike. Like if you love just woods and you really just love hiking, like it would have been like your go-to year. Like for me, I absolutely loved it. Cause like, again, like the shelters, I didn't, I set up my tent three times during the AT. You know, we had a shelter every single night. So like, right. granted, that, that does go against my cowboy camping. If you count that, then I cowboy camped the entire time. <laughs> but it's, it's, for some reason, it does, it's not the same with like a, a roof over your head, you know? Yeah. But hey, um, continue. Yeah. I was, I was just going to ask if there was any pushback on that, any controversy, because they had, you know, closed the trail, ordered everybody off the trail, and you guys, you guys continued. Uh, it seems to me that you know, being out on the trail and I'm, I'm probably going to get some nasty uh, comments or reviews on this, but you know, being out on the trail, you are, you're, you're out there safely socially distancing. I mean, you're out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, even when you're hiking with a trail family, you guys are not hiking right up on top of each other. I mean, you guys, uh, you're spread out I and mean, everybody's, everybody's in their own head uh, with, I don't know, 50 yards, hundred yards, half a mile in between you. I mean, that's, that's, pretty isolated in my opinion yeah no I would 100% agree um and I don't know if it was just because like we were all stubborn but like we all were pretty much um we just went for it you know what I mean we were already out there we saw nobody and like the idea of it being socially responsible to be able to go to a Walmart go do your shopping with a mask on but then we are some sort of wilderness pariahs because we are out on the trail against the ATC, which like a lot of people did like get kickback. Like there was, there's some very strongly opinionated things about people through hiking last year. Um, and like, I respect all, all views on it. I'm just saying like what I personally did. And, you know, I think it was like social distancing at its finest, you know, like we were in a germ bubble of like, a few, a handful of people, we hung out together. We went into towns to get groceries and get a hotel. And we would also hang out. We like, we didn't go out. We didn't go to bars, obviously not me. None of us did. We didn't do anything 
Like all we were doing was hiking, you know, and then going into towns, getting a hotel every once in a while, grocery shopping, and then boom, right back into the woods. So for me, it was like the best case scenario. It's like, I would have been, I honestly felt like if I was in my house or at my house in town, I would have not been sitting in my house. Like I definitely would have been social distancing, but I would have been hiking like everybody else. Like Sedona was absolutely inundated with people when that happened. Like everybody came here because it's beautiful and everybody wants to be out in the, out in the desert. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I honestly feel like I would have been in contact with more people doing just normal life stuff. You know, you got to go to the gas station. You got to go get whatever you got to do you're out there. If you're in the woods, you have to make it to these certain towns before you can do it. So even if you want to go to every single town, you're still only going to town every four or five days. You know what I mean? So, yep. I would venture to say that you would have encountered more people in a single morning at, at a Costco than you did in four months on the Appalachian trail. Oh, I'm like 100%. Like I'm a hundred percent, like everybody here has been to a Walmart on like a normal day. You go to Walmart, there's a hundred dudes in there just like walking around, just like eating chicken fingers and buying toilet paper or whatever the hell they're doing. So it's like, yeah, we did do that. We had to go to food, you know what I mean? So it's like, you have to do that, but you're already doing that in normal life. So I I honestly didn't, I didn't really get it. I had, I did not understand like, Everybody was saying that like, this is so irresponsible for you to be on the trail and you're very, you're being super selfish about everybody's thing. Like their, their main thing was, was this, and this does make sense to me. So like, say I got COVID in Irwin, Tennessee from somebody in Irwin, Tennessee, and then I walk to, I don't know, whatever, Roan Mountain, Tennessee, you know what I mean? So I walk up North, Roan Mountain doesn't have COVID, Irwin does. I bring it to that town. So it's like, that's, that was the thing that they were worried about. This like this, this essentially band of hobos bringing something from a small town to a small town. But it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't see how that's any different than people driving around and doing this or just doing their normal life. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. all these deliveries coming in from all over the country. Like I obviously believe COVID is a thing. Like it's still a big thing. Like I'm not a COVID denier by any means. Like I have a mask on like right now. (laughs) But like for me and the whole tramley, like we just, we just went for it, you know? So yeah, we just, we just stuck with it. So. Okay. All right. Hey, and you know, for people who are considering doing the Appalachian trail and they've done their research, they've watched the videos just like you did. Um, what can you share with them? What did, what did you, once you were on the trail, what did you realize that like, oh my gosh, I didn't think about this or I didn't realize this about the Appalachian Trail? Um, lots of, lots of trees, you know, not that many views. Um, I've been living out West for a while. So it was kind of just, yeah, I'm not saying it's like not a great hike, you know what I mean? But it's like, it is a, that that term green tunnel it's like a bit it's you're in the woods like for the majority of the hike i would say 1800 miles of woods you know and then you got a couple hundred miles of like damn this is like some beautiful views so it's like i think the thing that people struggle with at least you know i would imagine is like you see these beautiful 
pictures of the AT. You see like McAfee's knob is like a big one, like that big potato chip looking rock that you, you're hanging out and it's like these sweeping views of Virginia. That's like a 20 mile section, you know? And then all the rest of Virginia, besides like one other spot, which is 20 miles, is like you are in the woods with some views, but it's like you have to realize that like at your, your every single day hiking is like you're just, you're just strolling through the forest, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, so yeah, and I did like, I, you know, again, I'm from Massachusetts, so I knew what I was getting into, but I didn't, like, you don't usually see like the normal trail, like 2,200 miles is a long trail. Like it's a lot of walking and the majority of it is, is just some woods. Like it's like some of the woods are gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. Like I love the forest, but after a month of like sitting and looking at rhododendrons, you're like, dude, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, can I get some sort of mountain, just something over here, you know? And you, you do get it, you know, don't get me wrong. Even there's a lot of mountains to be climbed for sure. But, um, I think, uh, that's like a really good thing. It's just like, just realize that like a lot of your hiking is going to be in the woods and it's going to be day in, day out. Um, it can, it be, you know, can become monotonous, really, you know, even for the biggest wilderness nerd, you know, 2,200 miles of, of straight forest can, you know, it can, it can get you into, get you into this, like, great little rhythm, where it can kind of get you into the, I'm fucking over the woods, you know what I mean, like, <laughs> let me get in the town, you know, <laughs> that, and then the only other thing I'll say, as far as, like, advice for somebody who wants to hike the AT is, like, uh, you're going to send a bunch of stuff home. Like it's just going to happen unless you have like your gear. Like if you, if you're like a triple crown hiker, or you've done three bikes by all means, like don't listen to me, obviously. But like, I think the work, like the thing that really gets into people's heads are just, you just obsess about stuff. Like you start getting into your lighter packs and then you're talking to these people and then you're talking to old school dudes and then Facebook groups are just all bad. That's my number one piece of advice. Just don't join any Facebook hiking groups at all. <laughs> Forget what I was going to say. That's the number one piece of advice. Nothing on a Facebook hiking group is, is good advice. Just don't even listen to any of it. Just, just, just quit, quit the group and just get out on trail and then you'll figure it out. You'll just start mailing stuff home. You're like, cool. I'm not, I don't need three, seven pairs of socks. I don't need, all this underwear, uh, you know, like everybody figures it out pretty, pretty quickly, you know? Yeah. So I've got an iconic moment for you that I want to share uh, about the Appalachian trail. And it, it came up when I was talking to triple crowner uh, by the name of ginger balls. I don't know if you listen to that episode or not. I know, I know who he is. Okay. So yeah. he, he, his first, the first one of the big three was uh, the Appalachian trail. And so he's retired Navy. He shows up uh, and he's got, you know, he's, he's in the Navy. He's military. He's got, you know, triple protection on everything. He's got three of everything in his backpack. He's got this huge bag on his back, shows up at Springer Mountain, and he meets Scrapbook, who is a 20-year-old kid who this is his third long trail. The Appalachian Trail is his is, is, is finale in his triple crown. And they see each other. Uh, at the beginning of the trail and they both look at each other and think each one thinks, Oh, this guy's not going to make it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Scrapbook is looking at ginger ball saying, this guy's got like a 50 pound pack. There's no way he's making it. And ginger balls is looking at scrapbook saying, 
he's got like a 10 pound pack. He doesn't have enough to survive. There's no way he's going to make it. And just that moment of, uh, you know, what their expectations are, what their background knowledge is and how they approach the trail. I, th- I just thought was hilarious. Yeah, no, it's like, it is pretty amazing. And I think that that argument still is very strong, you know, like all the old school dudes, like I have my first, ba- like I have a backpack that I've had for a while here. It's like a, uh, a Coleman f- external frame. It weighs nine pounds with nothing in it. You know what I mean? It weighs more than my entire kit right now with nothing in it. So there is still like this, this mentality of like, Oh, if you go too light, you'll be super uncomfortable or, you know, Oh man, you have this heavy backpack. You're never going to make it. All that is, it just all depends on the person, you know, like dude, I hiked with uh Piscoon. He had like a 50 pound Sierra trading, whatever backpack loaded to the gills. He didn't even have a, like the hip belt didn't work good either. Dude would smash thirties. Like we wouldn't, it wouldn't even look like he was walking. Like the dude had such a massive backpack. Like it was so heavy and he just had like a blast. He was always the camp first way faster than everybody. So it's like, and then there's people with, you know, ultralight stuff who are just like bumming food and everything off you. So it's like, find that sweet medium, whatever it is for you and just roll with it. You know, that's right. That's right. So nasty noodle, take us through a, What is a typical day on the Appalachian trail for nasty noodle? Take us from, you know, waking up in the morning to uh, setting up at night. What, what does that look like? What's an average day? Um, you know, like uh, wake up, uh, dump a coffee packet in my mouth, chase it with a shot of water, uh, you know, get a good, get a good little Nick, you know, a good little caffeine buzz going. And then um, I was, tr- I pretty much really uh, podcasted a lot on the Appalachian trail. So I would just pop some podcasts in and just kind of, just kind of cruise, you know, um, stop at good viewpoints, hang out, take photos. Um it's pretty much like exactly what you would imagine it to be, you know, it's just, uh, I think the biggest part of it is it's like, it's like being homeless with intention is really what it is like a really good way that I've heard it explained. And it's just, so it's just, it's, it is like a really great feeling to just be going North every day or South, whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and just getting to a different place. So yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, for a normal day, I think it's pretty much just what you would imagine. You know, for me, I'm not, I don't do anything that crazy. Um, podcasts like really did, uh, help me out a lot with like mm-hmm. the, the tree boredom, you know, but yeah, you know, and then get to camp, eat, eat some cold rice and, or a tuna wrap and then just, you know, do it all over the next day. Just do, just repeat day after day. Very good. Yeah, no, pretty much, you know. Right. So top five, if you could distill it down to the top five moments on the Appalachian trail, what, what five moments would you pick out? All right. Um, obviously that first day on Springer was like a a really big one for me. Um, probably, uh, Grayson Highlands in Virginia was, amazing it's like we're all the like when you see the photos of all the ponies so we hiked through that in like eight inches of snow and it was just this beautiful 
like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just like eight inches of snow with like the sun shining and just ponies like running through the snow. And I was just like, dude, this is like, it was like some absolutely amazing, like, I don't, I don't, I'll never forget that. And it was just such an amazing view, you know? So those are definitely up there. Um, you know, McAfee's Knob is like a, a really, really awesome highlight of the trail. Like it is like an amazing thing. Um, we had a buddy meet us there too, and he ended up getting us food afterwards, um, which was awesome. Shout out to Yoda too. Um, and then um, really, I think the other best ones is uh, Shaw's, Shaw's in uh, Shaw's Hostel in Munson, Maine was like absolutely amazing. Tell us like about that. that. What what is what's up with Shaw's Hostel? Um, I I might be saying it wrong, and it might be Shays. People are gonna be like, "What the fuck, dude?" Okay. Shaw's <laughs> or Shays, one of those two. Yeah, okay. I always mix them up, but like, I don't know, man. It's just like it's it's like a it's a spot that like everybody goes to. It's just like this old house, and there's the guys who run it is a, a couple named uh, Poet and Hippie Chick, and they're just like they're actual, they really know like exactly what y'all need, you know, like they cook you this amazing breakfast. There's like a music room, there's barbecue down the street. It's just like an amazing spot. They have like all these funky loner clothes that you can wear when you're doing laundry. And it's, it's great. And they pick you up and it's right before the hundred mile wilderness. So it's like your last little before, uh, Katahdin, it's like your last little, this is like, you know, it's kind of getting close to the end. So it's like a really great spot and it's an amazing hostel. So like everybody, and it's pretty cheap considering it's so great. It's like one of the cheaper ones that I, that I stayed in. So that place is 100%. You got to go there. Okay. And then obviously, you know, Mount Katahdin, dude, you know, like I've, I'm sure everybody would say that, but uh, yeah, we like, I got up there alone at like, I think it was like six in the morning. And it was like the sun was shining. It was like a perfect crystal clear day with like this, we were above all the clouds and we had all the views and it was just like, it was like the, uh, it was like the summit day that I could, I could not even have asked for like a better weather summer, like a summit day. Like I hiked up there in my shorts in July. I brought my backpack up there. Nobody else didn't pass anybody. Just I had um, Mount Katahdin all to myself for like 25 minutes, just completely alone. And it was just like I was crying, <laughs> like, you know, like sitting on the side doing all the thing. I didn't kiss it or drop to my knees like all those people did, but I was I was tearing up and having like a moment, you know. It was, yeah. I think those would be like top top five for sure, you know. Nice, nice. If you don't mind, nasty noodle, I'd like to get into your head. And hear about that last day as you are approaching Mount Katahdin and what's going on in your, in your, your noggin. Um, you know, you have dreamt about this. You've planned on it for decades. You, you know, you, you've done the Appalachian trail for 2,200 miles. You've been looking North and now this is the last day. It's within your sights. You're, you're approaching. Everything is coming to a close. It's coming to an end. You know, you know, it's going to be quite an accomplishment, but you've got to return to, you know, quote unquote, normal life after this, you know, what, take us to what's all going through your head during that, that last day. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's a strange thing, man. Like you're, like you said, you're, you're walking towards this goal, like every single day, you know, you're just, all that's in my head is like, 
Katahdin, Katahdin, Katahdin. Like you're just, you're just heading North every day. And, and like, really everybody knows what you're after. You're, you're, you're going to this wooden sign. It's like beat up by the weather. It's however many years old. And it's like, but that is like this gold, this like shining thing in like your head. So that last day um, in the, well, we actually stayed at Katahdin Streams, which is like, the, you know, right before. But like that last day in the 100 mile wilderness when we we're like actually getting, it's like the last full day of hiking. It was like a strange thing, man. Like, I didn't know, I kind of assumed like I was going to be like very emotional and I was going to be having like all these like deep, you know, thoughts and like all this stuff. But it was like, I don't really, it was kind of just like, uh, like, a, like a, almost like a relief. You know, you're like, okay, I'm just like, I'm, I'm gonna do this. You know what I mean? Like, cause at that point, even, even if you're like, you know, still a hundred miles, 200 miles away, like things can happen. Obviously things can happen on the last day too, but it's like, you're like right there. And then like that first view of Katahdin from the hundred mile, it's like, you, you get to this viewpoint and you see it and it's like, it's like right there. You're like, dude, <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. Like, I wish I had like a really like amazing, like, Oh, like I felt all these like great energies and all this, but like, it was just like a relief of you like, are you're, are you're about to do this? Like this thing that you've been going for, you're about to like sit on the sign finally, you know, after four months and a hundred, whatever, 120 something days, you know? Yeah, no, it was, um, it was, it was a really good feeling, but it was also very strange, you know? Um, yeah. Also, you know, the tramway's splitting up, you know, we're all breaking up. So everybody's like going, you know, I haven't, I've seen one of them since uh, we talk on the phone, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like that, that little crew, like we're never going to do that again. So it's like, a very, it's like barely sad, but it's also really cool that we have to enjoy that time together, um, you know? So yeah, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's like really hard for me to explain like really what was going through my head. All I know that it was like, just this amazing feeling of like, you are like so close to doing this, yeah. you know? Yeah. I want to, I want to touch on that, that you mentioned relief and I think it's because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but anytime anybody starts out on a 2200 mile hike or a 2600 mile hike, if you're doing the PCT or 3100 miles, if you're doing the continental divide, you know, when you start out with that first step, there is no guarantee that you're going to make it to the end. So many things can go wrong, you know, from, you know, getting sick, altitude sickness, uh, you know, falling, spraining an ankle, uh, just injuries or, or happenstance. So many things can go wrong that there is n absolutely no guarantee that just because you're starting, it means you're going to finish it. And oh, yeah. with you being within sight of Mount Katahdin, it's like, okay, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to finish it. And that's the relief. Is that, is that accurate? No, hundred percent. Um, cause like, like you, yeah, exactly. Like you just said, like, you know, I had no idea. Like I was, I gave myself a pretty good chance cause I felt, you know, like I spent a lot of time in the woods. Like I was a scout, like I love hiking. I can do this by myself. Like I, I, you know, I hike a lot. So I was giving myself a pretty good chance of like finishing it, but you obviously like you're lying to yourself. If you're like, dude, I'm just going to get to the AT and just smash this trail. Like 100%. Like, I feel like those are the dudes who are like, just delete their Instagram. Just like never talk about their through. Like, and they've just got like a compound fracture, like two weeks in, you know? So like, 
yeah, man. But it's like, it, once you're actually like in the hundred mile and you actually see Katahdin, like I could have broke my ankle and I would have crawled up that damn mountain. Right. You know, like if you are like, <laughs> honestly, maybe not, but it would have been, I would have tried, you know, like once you can actually see that in like right there, it's like, there's pretty much nothing really stopping you, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, you have no idea. There's so many things. Like I was around these for the first couple of days, I was around these two like triple crown hikers who were like, you know, pretty, pretty amazing. They were really great guys. Awesome hikers. One of them got super injured you know, and his foot was all messed up and he like had KT tape, like he was like mummied up with KT tape. And he was like, I didn't even, I don't even know what happened to him. I never saw him again, you know? So it's like, so it, it just goes to show you, like you can put all this, like, all this, like, you know, big energy into all these things, but it's like, you have no idea. All it takes is like a slip, like a slip on a rock, just some, some, you know, some wet grass down a hill. Like that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's really like, it's almost like a bit of luck, really. You know, if you think about it, um, that you, that everybody who does make it makes it. Yep. And I venture to say that no, no matter how bad that guy's injury was, the triple crowner that you've got the better scars. Yeah, no, for sure, dude. Mine beats it. I don't know what happened to him. You know what I mean? Like, but, um, it was just, you know, cause when I first met, I never met like a triple crown hiker before. You know, I've like read about him and I saw it, I knew what it was, but like actually hiking. And I was like, I don't know what I imagined these kids were going to be like. I was like, oh, he's like triple crown, dude. Like this dude's got to be like, like, you know what I mean? He doesn't even carry a backpack. He just like floats. He does 60 miles consistently. Like, but they're just, everybody's just dudes and girls just out there walking. You know what I mean? So it's like somebody who has no hiking experience can do just as good as somebody with 20,000 miles of hiking experience it all doesn't none of it matters you know obviously it it helps yeah but you know yeah it's a common theme on the on the podcast here is the trail is a great equalizer doesn't care Absolutely. where you're from doesn't care what your social status is doesn't matter how much money you have i mean it, it sets everybody on the same same playing field 100% you know like you can have as much uh, rain gear as you want you're still going to get wet you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Now, having talked about triple crowners, nasty noodle, any, any desire? Is that a, a goal of yours? Yeah, man. So like, um, that is, that's like, uh, is the goal. I just really do like hiking. Like I am planning on hiking the CDT this year, actually, um, southbound starting in July. Um, so why not? You know what I mean? The PCT, uh, like I, I lived in California for like nine years. So I hiked a bunch around California. So PCT obviously is, is great, but it's like, it's last on my list, um, to do it. Like, uh, but yeah, I would love to, you know, if I'm able to do it, um, that's definitely the plan for sure. Okay. So here, here's the deal. I don't have a poster to sign or anything right now, but when, yeah. you, do the, when you do the PCT, I am, I'm in Southern California. I will resupply you in the Sierras and I'll hike with you for a while. Nice man, I would love that, dude. All right, 100%. so you, yeah, yeah, keep keep, keep keep me in the loop, and we'll we'll set that up. Uh, yeah, not, that this, sounds. If it's yeah, not this 100%. year, next year. Okay. Yeah, no, next year is uh was is pretty much the plan. You know what I mean? Like, okay. um, yeah, the CDT is the one that like once I heard about it, uh, like I wanted to do the AT first because it's like I'm from the East Coast and it's the thing, obviously, that I've been wanting to do forever, but like. I'm really way more excited about the continental divide because like just 
uh, hiking through Colorado last year, I was just like, absolutely. My mind was just blown, you know? So that one just seems amazing. So I'm yeah. very much looking forward to it. Uh, Ginger balls had some choice comments and stories about the continental divide trail. You've got to listen to that episode. I'm going to, I'll do it right after I hang up. Okay. <laughs> Very good. So let, let's talk about that Colorado trail. So you did that after the Appalachian trail, right? Yeah. Like, so I finished the AT and then I hung out, um, back my, in my hometown for a little while. And then about 20, I think it was like 23 days after I finished the AT, I, uh, started the Colorado trail. Yeah, it was like when I was telling you, I was like planning my next through hike. Like I literally was. <laughs> so yeah, not even a month later, I uh, just kept going. You know, Almost like like Forrest Gump. Just kind just, of. Keep, just keep going. Yeah. No, like I was just riding like this super high, man. Like yeah. it was just, um, it was just, it just seemed like I should just keep doing it. You know what I mean? And I had like the time to do it. It was, it just made sense. Colorado Trail is like 500 miles, a little, little bit less. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like on the way back to Arizona. So it was like, you yeah. Know. Does it, does it traverse the state, uh, uh, North to South? It does go North to South. Um, okay. yeah, it's, um, it goes from a little South of the, uh, Denver and then it goes to, uh, the town of Durango. So yeah, but it goes through like some of the most beautiful stuff I've like ever seen, you know, mm-hmm. like North San Juan mountains, you're going through all these wilderness areas. It's just it was just a beautiful, you know, I think, I think it was 20, 28 days. It was 28 days and it was just like absolutely gorgeous, you know? So it was, I loved it, you know? So I've talked to people who've done the Appalachian trail and they've said that um, by the end of the trail, they are destroyed mentally and physically. I don't get that sense with you. You're, you're coming off. sounds like you're coming off the high of the AT and you know, a, you know, a month later you're doing the Colorado trail. And did you do this on your own? Did you have a, did some of your trail family go? Nope. Um, I did meet up with low branch for like the first two days. Um, he was just, he, he was coming out to do a section with me. He brought his dog and his dog um, ended up hurting its foot. So he had to get off. So I hiked with him for like two days, but no, I just like, literally, I was just like, I'm just going to continue to do this. Like I felt better than I've ever felt. Like I don't, like I do understand like, um, you know, that you're very tired and it's like, it is, you know, it's 2,200 miles. So yeah. it's, a, I'm not going to sit here and say like, you know, I wasn't feeling it, but like, I, you really are at the, you're in the best shape of your life pretty much after you get on top of Mama K or to Springer Mountain, like by the time you make it there. So I was like, dude, why would I wait to do this? Like I can just go and bang this trail out and have like a great mountain time, 500 miles. I was like, that's quick. That's a month. And I'll, then I'll shoot back home. You know what I mean? So I personally didn't have like any, like I did lose a toenail um, that still hasn't grown back. But that's like my only thing that really happened, mm-hmm. you know, and the toenail wasn't going to stop me. from. Right. <laughs> from any wildlife in Colorado you, you ran into? Um, I saw like the normal moose. I saw some grouse and then I did uh, see a bear finally. Cause uh there was like no bears on the whole AT. I think I was the only person I was with that didn't see a bear. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was like kind of, I, again, I was just like listening to podcasts and I just like, I like look up and there was like in 20 feet ahead of me, there was just this big old beautiful bear 
just like looking at me and then he ran off into the forest and then I walk up the trail and I like, um, you know, don't think any of it. And I'm like scrolling through my phone, putting my music back on. And I look over to my left and he's like 15 feet from me, just kind of like giving me the eyes, just, just looking at me. And I just gave him like a little, yep, yep. And he just ran off, you know, it was like a really cool, it was like a really cool experience. Like I loved seeing him. He was like this, he's like a beautiful bear too. Like, um, the Colorado bears, they look like healthy. They're not like the Northern California bears who are like sitting in the desert all year or the, the Arizona bears are like, <laughs> dude, like there's nothing for them. I don't even know how they live here. There's like nothing for them to eat. I don't even understand how they make it. But that Colorado bear was like beautiful, you know? Sounds like you and that bear had a moment. Yeah, it was cool, man. It was only like, you know, 30 seconds, but it was a very, it was a really cool, cool thing, you know? Nice. Now, hey, I'm going to make this statement, not because of your past, but just because it's, it's, it's something that I, I think um, exists within all through hikers, all long trail through hikers. I think there's a bit of addictive personality in through hikers. Yeah, like I would like almost, I would, I would say like more than 50% of the people, like if you took a poll and say, hey, do you ever want to do this again? Like granted i do have a very addictive personality obviously so like i really went for it but like everybody i was trammed trammed up with everybody is already planning like a through bike at some point again in the future so like i really think it is it's like you like it's very hard in like um daily life for you to be able to get this like freedom that like through hiking brings you like you're out there you're self-sufficient you have like a little bit of cash in your pocket, whatever, or a lot, whatever your station is. And you're just like, you can do whatever you want. You know, you can like sit at a lake for three days if you want, or you can eat burritos in a town or, or just hike fifties every day. Like you can do anything you want or any combination of it. And it's like, you can't do that in life. You know what I mean? Like you could, you know, but like, mm -hmm. it's very hard to get like that feeling of like pure, uh just freedom you know like three through hiking is like the fr like freedom really like that's like really what brings it out in me like i absolutely love that i'm in the woods i got to get to this spot and it doesn't really matter how i make it there you know right kind of a, a very simple existence in terms of you know what the goal is i got to get to this point right and i'm walking yeah, hundred percent. Homeless with homeless with the purpose, dude. You know. <laughs> Very good. All right. Hey, we're gonna take another quick break. When we come back, I think we're gonna talk about a trail that I'm pretty sure that very few of our listeners have ever heard of. So uh, stay tuned for that. It's gonna be intriguing. It's gonna be exciting. We'll be right back after this. This is Ben Crawford, author of 2,000 Miles Together and a member of the largest family to ever hike the Appalachian Trail. And you are listening to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. All right, welcome back. We've got Nasty Noodle here. And as we went to break, I promised that we would be talking about a trail that very few of our listeners have ever heard of. And... Uh, I have never heard of it until I had begun talking to you about this episode. It is the Mugion Trail, the Mugion Rim Trail. 
where is the Mugia Rim Trail, Nasty Noodle? Okay, so um, it actually starts really close to my house um, in Sedona. So that was uh, how I uh, figured in my head that I should do a third through hike last year because I was like, well, it starts like literally 20 minutes from my house, so I should do it. So it starts in the border of Sycamore Canyon Wilderness, which is Arizona's uh, second biggest canyon after the Grand Canyon. And then it goes all the way to the New Mexico border um, in the town of Alma, New Mexico. So, and it's over, it's like the, about 500 miles, give or take a few miles. Okay. And it's not a popular trail, not a well-known trail? No, it's like a really not well-known trail. Like me and my buddy, uh, shout out to Hiking Coyote. We were numbers, I think, 14 and 15 who have hiked this trail so far, including the people um, who have mapped it. Now, you say 14, or 15, 14 and 15 that hiked it last year or that hiked it no, ever? The, the whole the whole existence of the trail. It's like a pretty new trail. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah, it's actually like not even a, it's not like a traditional trail. There's no markings like at all. Like you're not on there being like, follow the movie on rim trail sign. It's like, you have to figure out where you're going with, you know, you can use a map if you want, but we had um, our phones with a GPS track mm -hmm. and it's just a, it's a route, you know? So it's just like a way, it's a walking footpath through um, Arizona you know and it's 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 wild man it was like the hardest hike that i did last it, it beat like every bit of the appalachian trail or the colorado trail as far as like toughness goes like this was like physically it wasn't that hard but it was like mentally it was like why am i in, in eastern arizona right now dude hiking through this like oh man it was beautiful but it was super super hard dude you know? Okay, so that's the, that's the first moment of doubt I've heard from Nasty Noodle. He, <laughs> he, he takes off from the Appalachian Trail from Springer Mountain March 2nd, marches up 2,200 miles up to Mount Katahdin on July 6th. Uh, seems like everything was very positive. He, he, he was in the zone, as he, as he described. A month later, he's on the Colorado Trail, and he spends a month and 500 miles on the Colorado Trail, very, very spiritual solo hike. And then less than a month later, he's now on the Mugion Trail, Mugion Rim Trail. And here's where the doubt creeps in. That must have been a tough trail. I mean, if, you, if you've logged 2,700 miles without a doubt, and now, now it, it creeps in, that, I think that kind of says something about the, uh, the Mugion Rim Trail. Yeah, like, and again, like, I, so I'll, it is a very, uh, I wouldn't even say physically, I would say like a mentally challenging trail. So like, again, it's not marked. So there's not going to be like the, literally the start of it. There's no Southern terminus or Eastern terminus or Western terminus. There's nothing. It's just a wilderness border. And on the other end is a cattle gate. So it's like very lackluster. You're not like, like our photos, our completion photos is literally in front of this like metal gate. And we're like, yeah, we did it. You know? And then we just walked. So, but yeah, man, it's like, it started off like really, really good. You know, like you're in this beautiful thing. We had a 20 something mile water carry the first day. Um, and uh, it started off amazing. And it was like, it, it was an amazing time, but like, it was just like grueling forest roads, like hundred 
probably more than a hundred miles of dirt forest roads through like a burn area. Um, Arizona is also encountering um, for two years in a row, we've had the worst droughts that have been ever recorded in history. So the water was like, it was pretty much like there was 300 miles of the trail, maybe 250 miles of the trail where we were carrying serious, serious water. Um, and then the water that we did find was like these stagnant, like imagine the worst water source you have ever seen on anybody's photo and then times it by like, a, it looked like Shrek's house. It was like these yellow, green cattle tanks that birds wouldn't even go in, you know, like, and we were just drinking this stuff. <laughs> so like you would be after, you were like the whole trip was like water, 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 where is water? We need to find water, you know? So yeah, it was just like, it was an amazing time, but like after going from the Appalachian Trail, which is a super, super popular trail, very well marked, maps, everything, there's hostels, there's all this, and then Colorado Trail, same thing, Mugion, nothing. Like there's, there was a trail journal with a couple people that told you like, hey, this is like what you should encounter, but since you guys are in a two-year drought, we can't tell you any information that even is true anymore. So, you know, and then the, the resupply towns are not like these like trail towns. Like nobody knows what you're doing. Like they thought we were homeless. Like somebody bought us breakfast because we looked destroyed in this town of Shola. We're in there and these guys, me and Coyote ate like an $80 breakfast and these guys just paid for our bill, you know, because we were disgusting, you know what I mean? Just like absolutely backpacks, just like, big grocery bags full of food. They were like, man, these poor guys. Like, we need to get us some breakfast, you know? <laughs> so it was, it was honestly, like, um, my buddy who we did it with, he said it best. He's like, it, it was like through hiking that, uh, it was like through hiking before through hiking was a thing. So it's like on a totally unestablished trail with really vague water notes with like these towns, these rural Eastern Arizona towns that like do not know what you're doing. You know, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was wild, man. You know, definitely wild. No other backpackers. We didn't see anybody the entire hike. Like not even, we saw like some people hiking this like popular section of it. We saw no backpackers the entire time, all 24 days. Uh, you've experienced both, both sides of the spectrum, both ends of the spectrum of through hiking. Yeah. The, the, no, pretty much, man. Yeah. The well-marked. Uh, well, you know, signage everywhere, never a doubt that you're on the trail. Uh, that's the, the AT and the, the, the uh, Colorado trail. And then the Mugion, you're, you're navigating yourself basically, right? Yeah, no, like 100%. Like when I say there's no markers, there's legitimately no markers. Like if you were, you would not know you were on that trail over the course of the 500 miles. Like there's nothing that says Mugion rim trail. There's absolutely nothing. So yeah, no, it was, um, like we got lost like every single day. Like we would start like talking about movies and then we'd check our GPS and it would be like, no, we're like three miles down the wrong dirt road. We had to turn around. And so it was like, it was just after like days and days and like weeks of doing that. It's like, and like the views, there was beautiful views, but like some of the trail was so, it was rough, man. There was like big burned areas. Like we were on a, um, a forest road for 70 miles 
you know, through like a burned forest with like wild horses and just like really nasty water and, uh, you know, trails not there, cross country, like going down these super sketchy drainages and like, like, I know it sounds like I didn't have a good time. Like I did have a good time on this, you know, but like it was, I'm just explaining that like, it was a completely different, it's a whole different beast than what a normal through hike is. Like if that was my first through hike, I probably would have been like, this sucks, dude. I'm not doing any of this. <laughs> you make it sound so appealing. Yeah, I'm trying to make it. It <laughs> is a great trail. Like I highly recommend anybody hikes it. It is really cool. And you can stay at my house if you actually hike it because I live in Sedona. So <laughs> nice. I'm going to tell you two stories. I'm going to see if you can, if you can one up these stories. So uh, they, all, they all take place in the desert and they all have to do with water. And so all, oh, there's two of them. Um, the first one comes from Ginger Balls and his uh, CDT through hike. He started, he did, he did northbound. So he started at the border of uh, New Mexico and, and uh, Mexico. And he said the water sources, not well marked. And he would encounter uh, a water source and it was full of cow dung, you know, lots of, lot of, lots of cattle down there. And he get to a water hole and he like, oh, I can't drink this. I, the next one's got to be better. And he would get to the next one and inevitably it'd be worse. Until he said, I don't have, I, I have to drink this. And so, you know, filtering it multiple times and it's still tasting nice and gritty, the worst water he's ever had. Uh, just an example of what you, you can expect on the, the CDT when you go in New Mexico. And then talk to uh, three guys who are doing the PCT and they're in the, in the desert, the first 700 miles, and they come to a cistern and they're doing these huge water carries because there's wasn't a lot of water. And they get to the cistern finally at the end of like a I don't know, 25 or 30 mile day. And they go down into the, into the cistern and there is a, a dead fox laying in the water. You know, it's, you know, pretty much skeleton left at this point. And yet that's the only water source for who knows how long and they've got to drink it. And so it just, you know, very difficult times in the desert with water. And when you're desperate, you know, you've got to, you got to do what you got to do. Anything like that yeah. on the Mugion? You know, like I, it was more about um, getting to water sources that were, that we had on our maps and they would be completely bone dry. Like it happened multiple times, like especially in this one stretch, like this hundred mile stretch where like, we like were dangerously running out of water almost the whole time. And then the water that we would find was like, you know, you could triple filter it or whatever. We didn't do that. We just filtered it once, but it was like, it was just this apps, like literally we went to one and there was a bunch of ducks like sitting on the side of it. They were like, we're not even going in this water. There's no birds. Everything was just dead. And there was like this green slime that I don't know if we were just like being desert crazy, but like we would move to one side of this like cattle tank and there would be like this, this green ooze on top and we'd go to the other side and it would literally go to the other side and follow us. So we would like run back to the other side and it would move back. It was like alive, honestly, man. It was like, like we didn't find any dead animals or anything in it, but like, it was like, I do live in Arizona. So I was expecting some like nasty cattle tanks. Like I drink out of cattle tanks almost exclusively in Arizona, but like that was like whole, like it was the worst, the worst water I've ever drank. Like, I honestly was like, 
I'm shocked with how great Sawyer filters are. Like those things are like, you can drink a hundred percent any water that you find. I don't care what's in it. Like um, those things are amazing. So yeah, no dead animals. That is, um, that's, that's a little much. I, I probably would have at least taken it out first, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Hey, best story from the Mugion Trail. What do you have for us? Best story on the Mugion Rim. Uh, it was probably like some like these locals that we met in this town really like we were in forest lakes uh this like really small town eating a burger um and this guy was like very much like uh anti-masks and like we had masks on and everything and he was like <laughs> we didn't like we weren't gonna call him out on any of this because like we were in rural arizona but this guy's like talking about like at one point he was like talking about like how america was formed and he's like yeah well like when england kicked us all out and put us on boats he's like that's how america was formed and i'm like dude me and my buddy were like looking at him and i was like dude i'm not saying a word to you i was like i'm pretty sure that's not how america was formed dude like at all man but like, yeah, like the best story about it was honestly just like being out there and nobody knowing what you're doing. And it was just like, the whole thing was a great story. Like it was, it was it honestly probably was my favorite hike of the year just because it was such a wild, hard, it was like a really struggling thing. Like I almost, I literally wanted to quit like three times. I was highly considering quitting um, multiple times, you know? And like, I'm sure my buddy will say the same thing. You know, even like the last couple of days we were in there, like we were going through this place called the Blue Range Primitive, which is like this super wild area. And there was this massive fire that came through. So we had to take like a redirect around it. And like we woke up and like the smoke was so thick. Like you guys know all about that. You know what I mean? But like it was so thick and we were walking to this town it wasn't even a town. It was like a lady's house that was the that was the post office. Literally, she had it behind her house in a shed. Like, <laughs> so it was like, and we were walking through this like thick smoke. And I was like, I was honestly less than a hundred miles away from the uh, finish point at that point. And I was like, dude, I was like, I'm done with this. I was like, I cannot. I was like, I legitimately want to quit right now. We did it, but it was hard, man. But it was great to actually. Cause you know, it was the whole year was a lot of hiking, but that, those 400 miles was, it was rough, man. Like it was amazing, but it was really, really rough. So yeah. Like, I think, I think that they, it honestly was, that it was probably my favorite hike of the year for sure. You know, I, I love that description. It kind of sums up the, the Mugion rim trail that you were walking towards a town. Well, no, not a town. It was a lady's house that had a post office in it. <laughs> No, for sure. <laughs> I'm not even joking, dude. Like it was a tool shed next to our house that had the post office symbol on that nailed to the door. And I was like, okay, like this, she let us charge our phone. She was super sweet. You know what I mean? Um, but it was, you know, we, you'd had, you have to send resupply boxes on that one for sure. Like there's a couple areas that like, unless you want to do like 160 mile, 180 mile food carries, which I don't want to do. Uh, I will if I have to, but you could, so yeah, sending boxes is definitely a good one on that. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it's a wild trip, man. Like I highly recommend anybody, uh, do it for sure. 
because it is a great hike. Now, I know you live right next to it. Is that how you heard about it? I honestly was just looking for a third through hike to do because I was just still riding this like super mega high. There was like two through hikes. I was like, I wonder if I can do like one more. Like I'm looking for one. And I just stumbled upon um, the guy who, the guy who mapped this, his name is Brett Tucker. He has done a bunch of other routes. He's so, if you guys are interested in like some hardcore walking you should look up that dude. But I just stumbled upon his website and found the movie on rim. And I was like, Oh, that sounds pretty cool. And then I saw where it started. It's literally 20 minutes drive from my house. Mm-hmm. I was like, done, you know, like that, that's, that's a no brainer, you know? Yeah. Nice. So, uh, nice. And he's cool with you talking about this, uh, about this trail. I hope so. Brett Tucker, if you're listening, (laughs) and I love his trail, Brett, I love your trail. I'm not talking shit. I love it. You know what I mean? I'm just telling a real, a real story about it, dude. But, um, yeah, no, I'm sure he's fine. You know, he's a, he seems like a really cool dude. You know, I'm doing another one of his trails, uh, in about a month. He's gotta be cool with it because you, you don't create a trail and then not have anybody walk on it. I mean, the whole reason for creating a trail is to have people out on it. Right. He has a Facebook page dedicated to it. So I'm going to go ahead and say it's totally cool. You know what I mean? Which, by the way, I am not part of. (laughs) And and Brett Tucker, if this is a problem, hey, feel free to contact me and come on the podcast and talk about it. Yeah, I think think he's totally cool. I'm going to talk about another one of his trails at the end of this this podcast anyway. Okay. All right. Is that that your pro tip coming up or or, uh, is is that what's next after the Mugion? Um, I don't have any more hikes for that. That, that was the, that was the full 2020 for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Very good. So, so let's talk about what is next for nasty noodle. Um, so yeah, so like I just said, like my next hike is called, uh, the grand enchantment trail, which is another one of Brett Tucker's routes. Um, it's 750 miles this one. So it goes from like roughly Phoenix, Arizona to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and it's the same kind of, uh, route finding unmarked. Um, this is a pretty well-known, uh, trail though. It can like compared to the rest of his trails, like this one is pretty well-known. Um, it's actually the, the, you know what the great Western loop is. Mm -hmm. So it's the bottom portion of the great Western loop, the grand enchantment. Yeah. So it's like, it butts up like, right. It goes right. Uh, you, you cross over the CDT on it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. So that, sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say, so yeah, so that's the next one and I'm doing it with, uh, my buddy coyote who I did the movie on with and we're leaving in about, I think like March 20th is when we're starting that. Okay. That's coming up. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Very good. Now I mentioned half to, half in jest about uh, having Brett Tecker come on if he if he had a problem with you talking about this. But you know, the more I hear about him, this trail maker, uh, the more intrigued I am. I think I might reach out to him and and see if he'd be willing to come on and and talk about uh, what motivates him to make these trails and and you know what his accomplishments are. Yeah, man. Like I don't know the guy. You know what I mean? Like we text you know, an email and everything like that. But it's like, he, he's a wild man, dude. He's out, he's doing some wild, wild trails. Like he, he like, he has some way of describing what they are. And it's like, it's like 
long distance hiking for the arduous walker or something like something like whatever whatever it is you know but it's like they're badass they're super sweet so i, I would love to just i'd love to knock out all of his trails because you know like i said movie on hardcore but super great so i'm looking forward to the grand enchantment a lot it's going to be a good time nice and then you've got the cdt coming up this year yep yeah so I'm hoping to finish the Grand Enchantment around uh, like May or something like that, you know, uh, March or yeah, like by the end of April. So first of May, I'd like to be done. And then I'm going back to Sedona, hang out, and then CDT Sobo, like somewhere around July 1st. Mm-hmm. Is, that, yeah. is that typical that the CDT is done Sobo or do most people do it Nobo? I think most people... I think like traditional through hike is a no bow hike. You know what I mean? Like yeah. most people hike northbound on all the trails, but I don't know. Like I, I obviously want, I want to do two through hikes too. So that, that's a, that's a reason why I want to do it southbound. Cause I couldn't do it really northbound. Um, but then another reason is like, I have talked to some people that have done it and it just seems like it stacks up really nice going south like granted you do end in new mexico which is nicer for me too because i can just you know go home i'm like one state away Mm -hmm. so and then it's also like you know like you're starting in glacier in july you know so by the time august rolls around you're getting into like you know southern montana or maybe even wyoming and then you're missing the monsoon season and you don't have to mess around with going through the san juans when on a high snow year so it's like, and like really the monsoons is a big thing. Like you're above tree line on the, on the Colorado trail, which is like the same thing as the CDT for like 300 miles. You're above tree line for like a good chunk of it. So, and lightning and all that, like I would much rather just like really enjoy myself and just cross through there in the fall, which is going to be beautiful. Um, granted you could get some snow. So it's like, no matter what way you do it, you have to, you potentially could have some issues, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I've talked to a lot of people about it, and like the majority of the people I've talked to were like southbound is the way to go. So nice. we'll see. You okay. know, <laughs> I hope it all works out. I know it's dumping snow right now. Any any concern about that? You know, I've been like I've been on this website called uh, Post Holders. It's got like a CDT. Uh, it's got like a uh, it updates like every couple days, I think. And so I've been like watching snow levels. But traditional southbound CDT hike is like July one, so you're not you're not really hitting any really huge mountains like obviously big mountains, but you're not hitting any massive you know ten eleven or or eleven twelve thousand foot mountains until you get to Colorado. So yes, there I'm sure there's going to be some snow in some places, but I don't think it's going to be. Again, I don't really know. I've I've done like I did a lot of research for the AT and the Colorado Trail. I've done like no research for the CUT besides talking to people. So, yeah, how much snow, how much snow did you encounter this year on the AT, the Colorado Trail, or the Mugion? Colorado Trail, uh, I saw some snow on the sides of stuff. I didn't put a foot in it the whole yeah. time. So, AT was like literally that one day in Grayson. It was like that one area which is the highest point in Virginia. Um, it was eight inches of snow, six, six, eight inches of snow. And then you drop out of there. Didn't see snow um, at all. It did snow like in Pennsylvania um, for like an afternoon in May, which was weird. 
But like, really, I didn't have to deal with any snow, really, you know, which was nice because, you know, I moved to Arizona away from the snow. <laughs> so this could be a whole new experience for you next year or this year. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. It's going to be a cool time. All right. Hey, Nasty Noodle, you know where we are right now? My, my grand insight? Yes, that's right. <laughs> We're at the, that time of the episode where I ask you for your pro tip insight of the week. What do you have for our listeners to make their next outdoor adventure that much more epic? I honestly wish I had like something great to say. You know? <laughs> I've been trying to think about it this whole life. I think I really will just say like, if you are trying to become a through hiker or you're like really considering doing it, I think the best thing you can do is really just like get some gear that you think will work and just kind of hit it. Cause like, I think there's a lot to be said about putting too much effort in racking your brain around all this information and all these things that people tell you and all these stories. And like, I don't even, I can't even tell you how many times people would tell me about a section of the trail, like before I did that. And then I'd get to the section and it would just be like, fine, you're just like walking it. So it's like, I think the best thing that people can do is really just like, I don't want to say this, but like hike your own hike. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a great piece of advice because it's like all of it sounds super daunting until it's, you're on the trail walking and then you just piece it into days. You know, it's like yeah. today I'm just going to just walk north or walk south. I'm going to eat some tuna and I'm just going to have myself a good day, you know? So that and I highly suggest uh, bringing some headphones and doing some doing some music just to kind of break up the day because uh, the monotony will get into you. At least it did for me. And uh, so, yeah, I think just, you know, have a good time and just like just be mellow about it. And just it's it is daunting, but it's also not as bad as everybody thinks, you know. All right. Yeah. Well said. That wasn't very, that wasn't very profound, but you know, uh, <laughs> that'll work. <laughs> it was, it was good, solid advice. Thank you very much. So there you have it. That's it. Season two, episode 16 is in the books. <laughs> Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with nasty noodle. And I want to thank him for joining us this week. Noodle, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? All right. So my Instagram is nasty underscore underscore noodle um i did just start like a youtube channel i don't know if i'm actually gonna keep up with it but i did start one that's uh called trudging with noodle um and that's all the social media i have okay yeah so remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. Noodle, I'm looking for a, I'm looking to you to give our listeners a recommendation for a book, a movie, a documentary, a website, or a YouTube channel that will keep them connected to outdoor adventures. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. Any suggestions for us? Um, as far as like one of my favorite authors, uh, is this dude named Edward Abbey. If you guys haven't checked out him, he is like, he's dead now, but he is a total desert freak. And he, I, I like absolutely love his writing. So pretty much anything by him, especially the book desert solitaire is like an absolutely amazing book. If you love the desert, um, as far as documentaries go, uh, I don't really watch that much TV. I did see a cool one called Mountains on Netflix that was like 
it's got that dude Willem Dafoe in it. You know, he's like the narrator. I don't know. That was pretty cool. <laughs> and as far as uh, YouTube goes, channels, uh, IB Tats is cool. I do like IB Tats stuff, you know. He did block me on Instagram, but I still like it. <laughs> I still like it stuff. <laughs> that sounds like a whole nother episode. I don't know. Whatever. His channel's cool. I think he's like a solid actual person who is hiking. He swears a bunch. He's just like, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But um, yeah, you know, like that. I really like Jupiter's too. Jupiter's a pretty solid dude. I like his videos a lot too. Okay. So, All right. Yeah, a lot, there you go. Lot, lot to choose from there. Thank you. Uh, that's a wrap from the John Freakamere studio. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you take a wrong turn and find yourself three miles out of the way on the Mugion Trail. Embrace the <laughs> suck. <laughs>